0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. How many enjoyed that uh, Christmas Eve service? Hey, man. Wasn't that, what that music, that singing awesome, the presence of God? It was so good. That's the best we've ever had. It was really, really good. I'm glad I was here, and I'm glad I was sitting there so you didn't hear my voice. That's made the joyful noise, but they did the real thing. Hey, man, it was good. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? It's going to be a really good lesson. It's going to help you. But anyway, uh, as Pastor Dave talked about this financial faith confession, we got a book here called Faith and Confession by Charles Capps. Anybody ever heard of Charles Capps? He was one of my Bible school teachers. He went to heaven a couple of years ago. But anyway, he was the confession man. He was an awesome, awesome Confessing Teacher, that's the main thing you taught on for years and years and years and years, confessing the Word of God, see it to come to pass in your life, and anyway this book will change your life, and that Financial Faith Confession, uh, because the Bible teaches, Jesus teaches, we can have what we say, and so we need to be confessing things in line with the Word of God, so that's why we make those confessions over our finances, because Jesus watches our words, and we're going to see more about that tonight, but that's in the bookstore, as well as a lot of other things, and they, they, they will help train you in faith. Those books out there really help train you in faith. They help make me what I am. But anyway, in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 13 and verse 14 to start off with. Who is Jesus to you? And I want to read this and talk about it. It says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say? that I, the Son of Man, am. He said, Whom do men say? And so he's talking about the general population. You know, today it's just, just, you look on the Internet, what do people say, who do they say Jesus is? You read newspapers, watch the news, read read books. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions, a lot of ideas about who they say Jesus is. And so his disciples then says, They said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then get down to verse 15, he says, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Whom do you say that I am to you? And, uh, you know, this, you know, it might not make a lot of sense to you until you see the context. When you look at chapter 15, Jesus just got through feeding 4,000 men and their wives and their children The Bible says in chapter 15, it was seven little loaves and a few small fishes. He did a mighty miracle right in the midst of these men. And then Jesus exhorted them in chapter 16, right before this here, about, now you see me do this twice. And then these guys are facing a a small need again. And they start murmuring and talking about, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And Jesus says, wait a minute. You're watching what I do every day. You're traveling with me, you're seeing it, and said, what's up? And said, who do men say that I am? They said, well, who do you say that I am? After all you've seen me do, who do you say that I am? And I think about our lives as I look at this. How many here have ever seen Jesus do at least a small thing in your life that you know God did it? Or maybe you've got a friend that you've seen God do, uh, put, put, put a marriage back together maybe. that You know, it was impossible. Two people changed. And God did it. Or maybe as a miracle somebody needed for their baby. Or maybe for their parents. Or maybe maybe themselves had a bad diagnosis and they believed God went back to the doctor said, We don't know what's the matter. We've got to run some more tests. We've got to run some more tests. What's up? And then something happens in your life after those things happen. And you start wondering and trying to figure out, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, Jesus said, Who am I to you? And you know, I think about, I think about Christmas time right now. How many know one of our favorite, favorite songs we sang, Away in a Manger? No crimpers had the little Lord Jesus lay asleep in his, in his bed. Well, think about this. The little Lord Jesus, the little baby, couldn't help anybody. He needed somebody to help him because he could do nothing. And so the baby did not stay a baby. He grew up. And he's now at the right hand of the Father where he ever lived to make intercession. He's the one, when he grew up, casted the demons out of the people. He healed them. He raised the dead. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, the progression of Jesus' ministry. I, I, I presume most most everybody here has read up about Jesus know knows some of the things that he did. But how do you remember the time that the ruler of the synagogue named Jairus had a little girl that was sick and then she died? And Jesus came into the house, and what did he do with that dead girl? He raised her up. And then the people still wanted to stone him. They didn't get it. And then a little bit further down the road, how you remember the widow of Maine. She was going to the funeral. And April, you know, knows funerals. <laughs> but going to the funeral, and they actually had the procession. And Jesus saw this widow woman. a he went up, and he had compassion. And said, he laid hands on the casket. He said, young man, arise. And that guy was actually on the way to his own funeral, and he got out of there, and he was healed. And they still did not get it, who he was. So Jesus said, okay, I'm going to try it one more time, see if you get it. Little girl, dead in the bedroom, and they thought, well, barely dead. And so then on the way to the graveyard, I said, well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. We don't know. He so says, okay, next time I'm going to wait till my friend named Lazarus goes. He said, I'm going to let him stay dead, so they know he's dead. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm going to wait three days before I get there. And then it said that the people said, he's stinking. He really did. And so Jesus then hollered, Lazarus, come forth. And so these guys saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And each time he cranked it up. Miracle after miracle. So they're trying to figure out what's going on here. And I know in my life, in my life over the last 39 years, I've seen a lot, done a lot, experienced a lot. And I know I've learned a lot about Jesus. And so the little bit that I do know, I want to share some with you tonight and hopefully stir you to believe God no matter where you are now that if you will believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do everything the Bible says he can do then you can receive whatever you need in your life. And you know I can think back to the Old Testament Moses. How many you know when Moses was getting ready to lead all those thousands and thousands and millions of people out of Egypt uh, God said go, go, go tell them I sent you. He said well who am I going to tell them I don't know your name. He said tell them I am. And I like what I heard a preacher say years ago. Well, what is I am? I am whatever you need me to be. I am. What do you say I am? What do you say I can do? What do you need? I am the one that can do it. Quit looking at you. and Think about David and Goliath. I'm going to get back here in a minute. I'm just seeing how God has shown Himself so strong in the Bible. David and Goliath. And the army of Israel had already done a lot of great things, but then the devil sent somebody in the form of Goliath, try to scare them. And when you as a believer give in to fear that you're all tied up and can't do anything. Let the devil put fear on you about about what's going on around you. So every day, and you know the story of David and Goliath, every day Israel came out on one side. The Philistines came out on the other side, and every day the the uh, Israelites jumped up, man, they jumped up and down, did all the war shout and everything like that, like they do at Fort Irwin or at the Marine Base and did all their shouting, bad what we're we going to do? What we're we going to do?" They got out there. and Goliath would come out and say, "I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down." And when he came out there, they run. They run like a bunch of cowards and they hid because they were looking at how big Goliath was. Well, then David shows up, just a little shepherd boy. And when David showed up, he said, "Who is who's this, who's this guy? I think he is defying the armies of the living God?" said, he's coming against the covenant we have with the living God. And so then David, of course, went out there, he took the giant's head off, and then that, that began a series of victories, brought Israel to a place God wanted to be. But the whole thing was, what was the difference between Israel and David? The Israelites looked at a great big giant, at a little bitty God. David came out there, and he saw a great big God and a little bitty giant. He saw that his God was bigger than what it was he was facing. Amen. Amen. See, we have to get the right perspective through the Word of God about what we're facing. If you're not a Bible person, you're never going to get it. You have to begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And what is that faith? Faith of what the Word says. Begin to say what the Word says. Amen. Begin to say who Jesus is. And so I want to look at this now. And and we gotta know it is still the same today. Your friends and carnal Christians are still gonna have their opinions about what God can do. Well, I, I think about I think about different denominations. You know, I can't, I can't get away from this before I get back into seeing this what we're gonna see there. How many know that there's a lot of good Christian denominations? And anything that's a Christian denomination believes the number one most important thing that Jesus is the Saviour. But then some of them stop right there and they don't know and they don't confess that Jesus is also the Holy Ghost baptizer. Fill you with his spirit with the power of God. And then some of them even stop there and don't even confess that Jesus is the healer. He'll heal anybody anytime they'll believe him for it. And then some of them don't even believe in tithing. That financial breakthrough through tithing and giving and things like that. See, everybody's got even a different perspective. And so it depends in your life, on what you need, what you see in the Word of God, and what you say that Jesus is to you. Do you, do you see that? Hey Amen. So there's different levels even today. But anyway, in verse 15, I want to see this again. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And so Jesus Christ, how many know? Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. That means what He did in the past, He's still doing it in the present. And he'll still be doing it in the future. He changes not. And so his principles never change. Number one, he wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. Personal relationship. And, you know, I think about how awesome God is that, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that that we even grasp even a tiny bit. Of how awesome God is. Let me let me just ask you this. I'm thinking about one thing Jesus said. And I'm looking around the room. Jesus said, Your father knows the number of every hair on your head. How many billions of people are in the world right now? Well, how many maybe billions of hairs are there in this room right now, this small crowd? These hairs. And you know, I want to tell you something the Lord said to me years ago when I was reading that, because we don't we don't get a hold of what he's saying. Jesus said to me one day, he said, I didn't say he knows how many hairs are on your head, he said I said he knows the number of every hair that's on your head. And so after that, whenever I'd brush my hair and I'd see a hair come out of the brush that I use, I'd say, Lord, is that number five thousand six hundred and eighty two? Is that number you know, is is that is that number one million? What's the number of that hair right there, Lord? What's that number of that and so if God knows that much about us, does God not know where the money's at? Does he know where the healing is going to come from? Does he know how to talk to that person that's at all with you right now? That one cause of division. Does he know how to send somebody across their path that will minister to them and help them to understand and see things? Who is Jesus to you? Amen. Who is Jesus to you? See, what's that personal relationship, number one? But it takes, it takes our cooperation and learning about him, him and getting to know him through his word. And so tonight I want to look at things from my own personal relationship with Jesus, just share some things that are real to me. And I've learned over the years, and I pray that something I say tonight or something we see in the word tonight will pull you up to a higher level to where you're able to say more about Jesus than ever before. And so I want to start off with Romans chapter 10 at verse 13. Romans 10. Verse 13, and I want to pray for you as we begin to look at these things now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that revelation knowledge is probably the biggest need of the church. After people are born again, they need revelation knowledge of who you are, what you can do, and what a believer can do. As they go forth in your name with faith in your word. And I thank you for eyes open tonight to see and to know. So they can do and they can go and they can flow with all you have for them. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And so Romans Romans chapter 10 verse 13. It says for whosoever. And when I see that whosoever. I always say that's talking about me because I'm a whosoever. And so he's saying. Whether it's somebody that lives in America, a Muslim nation, a Hindu nation, Buddhist, atheist, whosoever, anywhere in the whole wide world, no matter who it is or where they're at, if they're a human being that breathes, then they're there whosoever. So he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I say number one, I'm talking about me. Jesus to me is my savior. I've called upon his name and I've obeyed verse nine and verse 10. Look at verse nine and verse 10. It says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For if the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, here's that confession. It's your confession. Confession is made unto salvation. And so, who is Jesus to me? Well, I can say, number one, that Jesus is my Savior. Because I've called upon the name of the Lord and I obeyed the Bible. I believed in my heart and I confessed with my mouth that he's Lord. God raised him from the dead. As with my heart, I believed unto righteousness or to be in right standing with God. At my mouth, I confessed. Unto salvation. Amen. Can you see that? Can you see that? And you know, when when I'm saying this, now now get a picture of this. The first thing Jesus asked these disciples was this. He said, whom do men say that I am? Well, I guarantee you the majority of people you work with, you ask them who he is, and they're not going to say he's Savior. They're not going to say that. They're going to say Jesus. They might say, well, the Bible says Jesus was the Son of God. But then Jesus talking to that person you work with said, but who you say I am? Well, they can't say. I say you're Savior if they haven't called upon the name of the Lord. And so we have to understand it's to the level of your Bible information or Bible knowledge about Jesus, who He is, of how much you can say He is. You know, I think about people that, I don't want to get ahead of myself for I'm going down there. But anyway, I think about people when it comes to healing that don't know from the Bible. That he's the healer. Well, you ask them, you're praying for Christians. and they say, He's my Savior. Oh, he's, I know he's my Savior. I've been saved. I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, do you know Jesus is your healer? Oh, I'm hoping and praying. Well, are you hoping and praying to be saved or are you saved? The Bible said, call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. So are you hoping and pray to be saved? No, I call upon the name of the Lord because the Bible says so. I obeyed the Bible so I know I'm saved. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about healing, too. About financial needs and other things. And so when it comes down and you find out who he is, you're not hoping and praying anymore. You're confessing and saying. And then you're receiving. Amen. Amen. And so, how many with me can say that, that Jesus is your Savior? Amen. Say that. Say, Jesus Jesus. is my Savior. Savior. I've called upon the name of the Lord. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that he's Lord. God raised him from the dead. I know I'm saved. Amen. And so and so that's the that's that's the number one thing that makes you a Christian is because you obeyed the Bible and you did what he said. But I wanna look at the number two thing. I just talked about things tonight. I looked and put this lesson together. I just when the Lord gave me this title this morning, I just started thinking about my own life, thing my my progression as a believer from nineteen eighty when I got saved. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And this is so crucial because whom you say Jesus is, is what Jesus can do for you. We're going to look at verse 20 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 through 23. And Jesus said, wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And what he's talking about is the difference between a between, between a lost person or a sinner and a and a Christian, a believer, that by their actions you shall know them. And you know it's wisdom. I can't hear any bunny trails. But a believer, if they're going to sleep with somebody, should be married to them. A believer. A believer if they're believers, should not be hanging out in bars and places where they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in the X-rated movie houses watching things they shouldn't be watching. They shouldn't be hanging out with people telling dirty jokes and doing things. By your fruits you'll know them. And of course, Galatians chapter five teaches the, the works of the flesh versus, versus the fruit of the spirit, and so Jesus is saying that you should know you should know somebody belongs to Him by how they act, who they hang out with, what they do. Amen. So that's what he's saying, and so anyway, I want you to notice then, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me, in that day, Lord, Lord, see they called him Lord, 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 have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils? In thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so in my life, based upon what Jesus said, I say Jesus is is not only my personal Savior, but also Jesus is my Lord. Why do I say that? Because I do my best to obey all He shows me to do in His Word, and that He speaks to my heart. You know, there's two ways God talks to us. He talks to us in the Word, and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. You know, God's not the one through his word that says, uh, Bernie Samples, thou and thy wife shall move from Indianapolis, Indiana to Barstow, California. Thou shalt leave thy mother and father in the nursing home where they're at. Thou shalt leave thy teenage kids back there. Thou shalt go to Barstow. That's something you got to know in your heart when God wants you to make major moves in life. You've got to know in your heart what God has you to do. And then if Jesus is Lord of your life, you do what Jesus tells you to do. Amen. You know, it may be that you come into a large sum of money. And you're already a faithful Christian. you So you already, you already know, I got that money, I'm going to tithe. God gets 10%. But then to your heart, to your heart, the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you. Well, I don't want you to just Give the tithe that you owe me, but I want you to give an offering to this ministry. Or I want you to go help that family over there. It's Christmas time. They don't have anything. And nobody's going to know this except you and me and them. I want you to take half of that I gave you and go take care of their Christmas. That's when you know if He's Lord. Amen. And so, I want to say this again. Jesus said, if you're going to call me Lord, do what I say. If you don't do what I say, don't call me Lord. And so in my life, I've made the step up from calling Jesus my Savior to calling him my Lord. And so when Jesus, and you know, uh, a lot of people say a lot of things, but I'm preaching about Jesus and my relationship tonight. And so I can tell you, without any shadow of a doubt, everything that I have belongs to Jesus. He tells me to give my car away. It's history. It's gone. It's a seed. He tells me to give savings away, I give it away. Whatever he tells me to do, I do. He tells me to go someplace and spend the holiday with somebody else to help them. I go do what he says to do because he's my Lord. Amen. And see, I want you to think about passages like this here. He said, why are you calling me Lord if you don't do what I tell you to do? He said, whom do you say that I am? said, men say this, but whom do you say that I am? Well, I say He's my Savior. I say He's my Lord at every day of my life. I'm going to do my best to obey what I know from the Word of God. I'm going to do my best to obey those little things in my spirit, in my heart, when I know that God wants me to do that. And you know, when you know He's Lord is when you really don't want to do it at all with your head. And your head's fighting it. And maybe sometimes... Other Christians are fighting you on it because they think you went wacky. They think you went goofy. Well, I want to tell you, think about some of his closest followers. Peter, James, and John, that was the fishermen. They fished for a living. And Jesus came to them when they were cleaning their nets. And he said, "He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. said, so they left all their tools behind. They left their boats behind. They said goodbye and walked away from all followed Jesus. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't tell a lot about their families and things, but how many think that if you walked away from your job, they'd call you wacky? Well, I can tell you by experience they do. They want to get me committed. (laughs) Your family thinks you're nuts when you do things that God told you to do. But see, let me tell you the difference, though, between flaky people and people really following God. If it was God, you'd be taken care of. If it was God, it'll all turn out right to the glory of God. But If it was flaky, the next thing you know, those people that were calling you flaky, they were right because you're going back begging them for help. Amen. So say this with me. Say, Jesus is my Savior and Jesus is my Lord. Everything he reveals to me from the Bible, I will do. Everything he puts in my heart that's in line with the Bible, I will do. So I can call Jesus the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to look at Psalms chapter 5, verse 12. And I want to show you one that's a big one to me. As I said, I'm talking about things that are personal to me that have changed my life that I can honestly say... That if you or anybody else ask me, who is Jesus to you, that I can tell you by experience and from the word of God that he really is this. Psalms chapter 5 verse 12 says this. For that Lord will bless the righteous. Well, how we know that if you're born again by the, by the blood of Jesus, you're righteous because the blood made you righteous. So that makes us righteous. That will bless the righteous with favor will thou compass or surround him as with a shield. With favor. With favor. And so my confession is, I have the favor of God in my life because Jesus is Lord of my life. He gives me favor. What is favor? Well, I'll tell you what favor is. Uh, in the natural, in the natural, if I, I know that some of you I think about, I'm looking at faces. face there, a lot of you have, have, have got jobs in the past year or two Fort Irwin school system, Marine basin, place you needed that. Well, it's nice to know where there's a thousand people in line for that job that you know somebody up there at the top that makes decisions and you talk to a friend and say, hey, I'll tell you what, I've got a friend that will do us a favor. I've got friends in high places. And, or you may be doing a business dealing. You know, we just got through selling a house and, and buying a house and buying a place like that. i tell you, there's a few times we had to see Favor happened for us with different people in high positions to get this job done. Praise God, we got it done. It's finalized tomorrow. We can start moving Tuesday. Thank you, Jesus. But it took the favor of God in a lot of places. So favor is this. Favor is somebody that's in a position of authority that can do things for you that nobody else can do. They give you favor. Well, God says right here, I will surround. I will surround my people with favor. And you know, I know so many people in my church that have had court cases over domestic things, over criminal things, over traffic things, to where they come up at the prayer line, all depressed, crying sometimes. Don't know what we're going to do. That's a mean judge. That's a mean judge. The prosecutor's got it out from my family. And I'll try to stop them. I'll say, wait a minute. Look at this verse right here. It says, God has surrounded you with favor. If you will get your eyes off of that judge, get your eyes off of that prosecutor, get your eyes off those people that you say is lying about you, if you get your eyes off of them, remember David and Goliath? Israel saw the big giant. David saw the big God. And so if you will know, if you will know that Jesus is bigger than that judge, Jesus is bigger than that prosecutor, Jesus is bigger than lying people, if you'll look at that and you'll and then Jesus say to you as you're getting ready to go to court. Who do you say that I am? You say, I believe you're the Jesus that gives me favor. And you walk into the courtroom. I cannot tell you how many dozens and dozens and dozens of times I've heard him come back in here the next day. Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I say, well, well I'm a believer. Hey, <laughs> man, I'm a believer. The judge threw it out. I say, I don't doubt it. I believe it because I'm a believer. And you know why that happened? Because that believer said, Jesus will give me favor in that courtroom. Jesus will give me favor with those people. Jesus will give me favor. I've seen judgments of lots of money written off. I've seen impossible cases where absolutely the church member was guilty, bad, dumb, stupid, should have done it, but they repented to God. Now they didn't go in and try to blame it on their mom. Try to blame it on their boss. They went in and felt the mercy of the court. and said, I want to tell you your honor. I did that. I admit I did that. I'm guilty. But I'm asking you for mercy. Had the judge and the prosecutor people just looked at it and said, you know what? Put a stamp on it and said, case dismissed. Get out of here. But what am I talking about? I've talked about we as believers looking in the Word of God about what the Bible says about God, what the Bible says about Jesus, and then not stopping there and saying, Boy, that's a good story. Boy, that that was 2,000 years ago. Look what he did. Well, that was yesterday. This is today. Amen. You know, it doesn't make any difference to me for my life what Jesus did for them. But when my son got leukemia, it made a difference to me today. When I saw Jesus heal those cripples when he was crippled, when I saw Jesus heal them in the Bible, man, that was good Sunday school stories. That was good things in the Bible. But I needed Jesus to come off of the Bible, come into his hospital room. And so I said, Jesus is my healer today. And so Jesus, because I said he's my healer, he was my healer. He took care of my son. Amen. Not to count the things in my life this past year. But you know what am I saying? Jesus... In the Word of God, ask His disciples. He said, what are they saying about me out there? Well, you know what? Today, man, I, I don't hardly ever, ever look at deface facebook. Dr. Barclay says it's deface book because it defaces people most of the time. But I know that if I was looking at a lot in there, I bet you today with the Christian persecution there is going on in so many places, I bet that a lot of people say a lot of things about Jesus. But I bet you they don't say Savior. I bet they don't say, Lord. I bet they don't say, He'll take care of your finances. Amen. But you know what? It doesn't make any difference what they say about Him. It's what I say about Him. Amen. Amen. And so, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And I I, I hope this will get you stirred. For your words about Jesus, about your life. You know, I don't think there's probably anybody in here that doesn't have some need of Jesus to do something in your life. Maybe maybe a very minor thing to somebody else looking at you, but let me tell you something. Something may be minor to somebody looking at you, but let them face it, it becomes major. Amen. Amen. I think about financial things to me. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, we've grown from where we were, my wife and I, from 40 years ago. We've, we've, we've grown from where we were in money things. I remember when it was a major thing, if we could have $50 at Christmas time to buy gifts for eight kids. That was a very major thing years ago. I mean, that's such a minor now, but I recognize from where we came from that somebody in my church that needs $100, that might, that might be like us needing $10,000. You know, it depends on where you are, but Jesus, I mean, you know, when you look at who made all the sand on the beaches and seas all around the world, what's the difference to him it's a whole beach full of sand or a bucket full of sand? Who made all the silver and the gold and all the resources? What's the difference to God if it's a hundred dollars or ten thousand dollars? He made it. And so wherever you are, it's what you say that's what he'll do. Anyway, Matthew chapter three, verse 11, John the Baptist, Getting ready to baptize, uh, Jesus said, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. He that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, says, He, Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Says, Jesus shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. But there's a difference between water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The book of Acts begins to teach about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I can say that Jesus is my Holy Ghost baptizer because I've obeyed Acts one eight, and I'm not going to go to those verses right now. But Acts one eight, Jesus said, "Wait until you be addued with power from on high." Says because when, when when the Holy Ghost comes and you receive the Holy Ghost, said you'll have power. And so then, of course, in Mark chapter sixteen, he said, "When we receive that power of the Holy Ghost, said we'll cast out devils, said we'll heal the sick." We'll speak with other tongues and on and on and on as part of the Great Commission and so I can say that Jesus is my Holy Ghost baptizer. I've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and the power of God works in my life to help others. I'm a doer of Mark 16. I lay hands on the sick and they do recover. People come up to me that have demon activity in their life I do cast demons out in the name of Jesus. I have the power of God. So I can say that Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus gives me favor, and Jesus is my Holy Ghost baptizer. He filled me with His spirit, He gave me His power, and I do the works of Jesus, because it said in John 14:12, "If you believe in him, the works that He did will we do also, and even greater works. And so say this when me. say, Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. He gives me favor. He's my Holy Ghost baptizer. Amen. Does that do something to you on the inside? Amen. You never need to be afraid of demons. Amen. Or sickness. Or disease. Now I want to look at another one. Uh, Look at Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Luke 4 verse 18. Can you see all the different things that you can say about who Jesus is to you? And I'll tell you what, I know... That the little bit I know that I walk in, there's so much more. But if you will just, if you will just walk in the light of what you know about Jesus, He'll give you more light. The more you see, the more you confess about Him, and the more you believe Him to do, the more He will do, but also He'll open up new doors to you and you'll see more. Amen. Luke 4 verse 18. Jesus said this, and actually, when he said this, he was quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. But Jesus said after he was baptized in the river Jordan and the Holy Ghost came down upon him, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so I can say this about by Jesus. I've received Jesus as my Deliverer and my Healer. And I boldly say, Jesus is my Deliverer. Jesus delivered me from alcohol. Jesus delivered me from nicotine, from cigarette addiction. He delivered me those things. Jesus delivered me from fear. Man, I was an adult man when I got saved. I was afraid of the dark. Man, I hated that at night time. You know, when it's a demon thing... It's not a natural thing; it's a demon thing. When when Satan works in your life, do you know you're afraid to go from room to room in the dark because the boogeyman might be there? That's terrible. Well, it's a demon spirit lying to you. Amen. When you're laying there in bed, trying to go to sleep, and every time the clock ticks, you jump. You hear something. you, You hear a tree brush the house. And what is that? Who is that? What might that be? Well, you have to understand. That's not a natural fear. That's demonic of the devil lying to you. It's a terrible thing to have to go to the bathroom, but you're afraid to pull your head up under the covers. And then when you do, you look around, you see a shadow, you jump back under the covers. Jesus is my deliverer. He delivered me from fear. I remember when I got born again filled with the Holy Ghost, I could not wait for nighttime. Man, I challenged him. I'd put blinds on the windows. I'd close the other, make it totally dark. And man, I could not wait until it got so dark that I couldn't see. I'd get out of my bed. And man, I'll tell you, those little stupid voices of demons start lying to me and tell me, I better get back in there. He's going to get me. He's going to get me. I would just laugh my way all the way through the house. Amen. Amen. Well, see, I'm telling you, you know, this might sound funny, and I really don't mean for it to be funny. But Jesus will deliver those that are captive. When you're captive, you know, and I, okay, I'll tell you something, you all laughing. I'll tell you, this may, this may cause you to laugh. You know, that word phobia, claustrophobia, phobia of heights, phobia of all those things like that. If any of you say, I can't fly on airplanes, so I got a phobia of flying. Fly guess what? That same demon's got you. Amen. We live in California. Now, I'll tell you what California is a long ways with the rest of the world. <laughs> I found that out, and if you're going to go away from California if you're going to go anywhere from California, if you're afraid to fly in an airplane, it's going to take you a long time to get there And so anyway, to go laughing about the pastor before he was born again, being afraid of the dark, are you afraid to get on an elevator? Are you afraid to get on a ladder? Are you afraid of whatever you're afraid of? then guess what that thing's got you. Uh, Nobody's laughing anymore. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is, now listen to me. I've prayed for people about the airplane thing a lot of times. If you're afraid to do things that God has ordained you should be able to do to live a comfortable life, Jesus is your deliverer. Jesus will deliver you from those drugs, from alcohol, from sexual addiction. You know, there's Bible sex and there's addiction. Jesus will deliver you from whatever's got a hold on you. Jesus is my deliverer. Say that for me. Say, Jesus is my deliverer. And say, Jesus, for whatever it is your face, I, I, I tell you, I know by the Spirit of God, Jesus is speaking to some hearts right now about some things in life that has a strong hold on people. But you've never yet, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? You've never yet said, Jesus is my deliverer from that addiction. You know what you've said? I'll tell you exactly what you said. This is by the Holy Ghost. You've said, I can't do it. You've said, I've tried and it don't work for me. That's what you said. You know what you've said? You've said Goliath is bigger than God is. That's what you said. Not in those words, but when you said, when you've said this thing's got a hold on me, that part was right. But you stopped there. You should have said, but, I'm going to let Jesus have a stronger hold. I am going to make Jesus Lord of my life. And in Jesus' name, I receive my deliverance. I'm freed from that. Amen. 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 One last thing we got to see. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And I know in the name of Jesus, there are people receiving help tonight. I'll tell you what, this may be. For some of you, this may be your biggest night of the year that you've come to a church service. Because when you get delivered from anything, you get freed from anything, it's a big day. Philippians 4.19 says this, But my God shall supply all your need according to to His riches and glory, not according to your ability, not according to what you have or what you make, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so I say, Jesus is my financier. I was in Walmart my entire Saturday, and there I saw a couple couple people there I used to go to church here, and one of them was there, and they were talking. I said, what are you doing here? She said, don't say anything, but said, she's back on her feet, and I've given her my car. I had two cars, I've given her my car. So I'm here at Walmart getting a battery put in to make sure it starts good for her. So she's got a car. Well, this other lady had been uh, not doing good for some time. She's back getting back into motion in life again. And her God supplied all of her need. It wasn't the bank. It wasn't a loan company. It wasn't borrowing money off somebody at a big, 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 fat interest. Her God supplied all of her need according to His riches and glory. And so, so we as believers, if we begin to confess... That Jesus is my financier. Jesus supplies all of my needs. If He multiplied the fishes and loaves, does He know where cars are? And if you're looking for a house to rent, does He know where the right deal is for you with the right house? That's not in the ghetto neighborhood where you're afraid to go out with your kids. He knows where that house is at. He knows where the house is that has good plumbing, has safe wiring. Has a roof that won't leak the next time it rains. Et cetera, et cetera, But you know what he's waiting on? He's waiting on you to hear you say, Jesus supplies all my need. Jesus is my financier. And then he looks at you and says, Who do you say that I am? And you say, Jesus, you're whatever I need you to be. You're my I am. You're my great I am. So I just ask you one more time as we close. As you're facing crisis, needs, Hard places in life where Jesus speaks to your heart and says, Who do you say I am in this? What are you going to say? You say, Jesus, you have everything I need, and I believe you for what you said of the word. You're mine. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand to stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.